Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. The third hour of the program. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-973-7425. I'm sorry, Kamala Harris has just been speaking, and let's listen to this together. (laughs) The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. There's great significance to the passage of time. I I want you to know this. There's great significance to the passage of time. And did I mention, if you did not know, there is great significance. Now, wait for it. You you may not know this. There's great significance in the passage of time. (laughs) Oh, how is she so terrible? I mean, y'all, listen, I I hate to, by the way, she's lost her national security advisor. Uh, Everybody from her staff quits, and she's just terrible at this. She's just bad at politics. Uh, And you can say what you want, but uh, yeah, she was attorney general in California. She got there with some help from Willie Brown, of course. She got elected to the Senate, and she couldn't even get to Iowa. She ran such a terrible political campaign that she could not even make it to the Iowa caucuses. And, you know, everybody says she was picked as a diversity pick. I am increasingly convinced Kamala Harris exists as a way to deter the 25th Amendment option. People are thinking, well, we got Grandpa Dementia, but can you see what the alternative is? (laughs) Wow. I I didn't actually even want to start talking about that here. This clip just came up from the last few minutes, and I figured it was worth sharing. I want to talk about education. The, there's a guest essay in the the wall in the New York Times rather. If you think Republicans are overplaying schools, you aren't paying attention. This is from Jennifer Berkshire and Jack Schneider, a journalist and a professor at the University of Massachusetts. The warning signs are everywhere. For thirty years. Polls showed Americans trusted Democrats over Republicans to invest in public education and strengthen schools. Within the past year, however, Republicans have closed the gap. A recent poll shows the two parties separated on the issue by less than the margin of error. Since the Republican Glenn Youngkin, may God curse his name, scored an upset win in Virginia's race for governor by making education a central campaign issue. Republicans in state after state have capitalized on lies, I mean anger, over mask mandates, parental rights, and teaching about race, and their strategy seems to be working. The culture wars now threatening to consume American schools have produced an unlikely coalition, one that includes populists on the right and a growing number of affluent, educated white parents on the left. Both groups are increasingly at odds with the Democratic Party. For the party leaders tasked with crafting a midterm strategy, this development should set off alarms. Voters who feel looked down on by elites are now finding common cause with those elites. 
forming an alliance that could not only cost the Democrats the midterm election, but fundamentally realign American politics. Oh, my gosh. Can, can I just state a few obvious things? It should be obvious to everyone in America. And I actually think it is. This is one of those things where, you know, the New York Times says people are afraid to speak up and, and say what they think because they might get canceled. I'll tell you what I think. I think every single person except for maybe six or seven on planet Earth understands that when you go through puberty as a boy, you get to adulthood as a man, and then you take one year of hormone-blocking drugs, it doesn't make you a woman the year after. You can keep your, your, your male body parts, parade around with long hair, and change your name to Leah, but it doesn't make you a woman. I think everybody kind of recognizes that. I just, I, I'm, I'm flummoxed by the people who think that, that 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 there's something just fine and dandy and normal here. There's nothing normal with being a 20 year old guy who's unsuccessful on the college swimming team suddenly saying, you know what? I think I'm going to compete as a girl now, and going up to number one, and then probably I don't know, maybe a lot of people suggest he must have thrown those last two races because it was such controversy that he beat an Olympian. So he had to blow the other two races. He, he certainly did. He, he didn't do well in the next two. Notice how the controversy went away. But I just, I don't, I don't know anyone in the real world who thinks this is a good thing. I know some people on Twitter who think, well, I mean, we just have to treat these people as they are. Well, as they are, they're a man. And yet in, in uh, academic settings, don't say otherwise. And then we get into the culture wars in schools. How the hell are you and I the culture warriors for thinking our kindergartners don't need to know about anal sex? Excuse me if you have children in the car with you. But, I mean, in Florida, the Parental Education Bill of Rights, that's all it is, is it says uh, you don't need to teach kindergartners how to have sex. Pretty straightforward. And yet the left says, oh, it means you can't say gay. Don't say gay. No, it just means we, we, I don't care whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, your kindergartner doesn't need to learn about sexual relations. How is that anything other than normal and obvious? I, I don't get it. Or how how is it normal and obvious to tell a 10th grade black student that, well, you'll always be oppressed. The country's systemically racist, don't you know? This doesn't make sense to anybody, except to the left. To the left, it makes sense. And now, this is this is so bizarre. And again, going back to this op-ed in the New York Times, no less, where you have people trying to, to please... Please, Democrats, please, you're losing the education issue. Do something, do something. What's their suggestion? Listen to this. How can Democrats claw out of this bind? In the near term, they can remind voters that Republican efforts to limit what kids are taught in school will hurt students, no matter their background. The College Board's Advanced Placement Program, for example, recently warned it will remove the AP designation from courses when required topics are banned. 
Whatever the limitations of the AP program, students from all class backgrounds still use it to earn college credit and demonstrate engagement in rigorous coursework. That's right. So they've politicized the college board's AP program, and they want you to learn critical race theory, and the Democrats think it's a winning strategy to tell Republicans, oh, you have to teach this in the AP class or you can't have the AP class. That's just going to make parents even more mad that they've demagogued the college board's AP classes and politicized them. Oh, it gets better. But if Democrats want to stop bleeding working class votes, they need to begin telling a different story about education and what schools can and can't do. For a generation, Democrats have framed a college degree as the main path to economic mobility, a foolproof way to expand the middle class. But now kids regularly emerge from college, burdened with crushing student debt and struggling to find stable jobs. To these graduates and to their parents, it's painfully obvious that degrees do not necessarily guarantee success. A generation ago, Mr. Clinton may have been able to make a convincing case education could solve all the world's problems. But today, Democrats risk irrelevance or worse by sticking with that tired mantra. Wait, so we need to we, we need to tell kids that you don't need a college degree? That's going to be how you how you recapture public education? That's your actual argument? Your thesis is that Democrats can do better in education and beat back the Republicans? And your idea is, well, let's just tell people college doesn't matter anymore. My gosh, listen to this. So yes, strong schools are essential for the health and well-being of young people. Schools are where they gain confidence in themselves and build relationships with adults and with one another where they learn about the world and begin to imagine life beyond their neighborhoods. But schools can't level a playing field marred by racial inequality and increasingly sharp class distinctions. To pretend otherwise is both bad policy and bad politics. Moreover, the idea that schools alone can foster equal opportunity is a dangerous form of magical thinking that not not only justifies existing inequality, but also exacerbates our political differences. Schools may not be able to solve inequality, but they can give young people a common set of social and civic values. This is the problem. This is this is this is the actual problem. Is these people are essentially in favor of using public education to indoctrinate, which is what's already happening with public education. It's already being used to indoctrinate. And this is why people are rebelling. People don't want public education to be used to indoctrinate their kids against the world. This is the most crazy op-ed in the New York Times I think I've ever, and I've seen some crazy op-eds in the New York Times, but for these people to essentially come in and say, hey, Republicans are starting to win on the issue of schools. You know what we need to do? Double down on critical theory and teaching kids about how unjust the world is. That's essentially what they're doing. They don't want to say it. They don't want to say it. They want to stretch it out a little more. But my gosh, this is exactly where it is. That um, the world is somehow bad and we should stop telling kids that get a good education, you can get a good job. No, instead, let's use the education system to reorder society exactly as they've been doing. I guess the only difference is now they want people to be honest about the craptacular schools. I got to say, and it shouldn't be overlooked. It should not be diminished. Y'all, Republicans are at parity with Democrats on the education issue. In my lifetime, that has never been the case. In my lifetime, Democrats have always had about a 10-point lead on the issue of education. Republicans are suddenly at parity with Democrats. They, they are within the margin of error with Democrats. 
and it has everything to do with the Democrats, not the Republicans. That's the thing that gets not noticed. That's the thing that should be noticed. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is showing people just how bad Democrats have turned schools, how they've turned them into uh, systems of cultural indoctrination, how they have advanced uh, education issues within school systems that teach non-white kids they will always be oppressed and teach white kids they'll always be oppressors. They have taken left-wing indoctrination into the school system. So you no longer learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. You learn how America's a racist nation will always be racist, is systemically racist, and the only way to stop it being racist is to stop it being American. And I think most people are tired of that. And going to the New York Times to tell Democrats that they can fight the Republicans in education by doubling down on stupid is probably not the best path forward for the Democrats. But I kind of hope they take the advice, honestly. I kind of hope Democrats go out there and say, yes, we will use schools not to teach your children how to read and write and do math. We will teach your children civic values, our values. Bring in Drag Queen Story Hour. That'll work real well with the middle class. Welcome back. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I, y'all, so if if you've heard me talk for a while, um, I grew up flying. Starting at five, uh, we used to fly halfway around the world multiple times a year, grew up in Dubai, moved to Dubai when I was five uh, to get there from Louisiana. We would typically go from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to either Houston, Dallas, or usually Atlanta, then to Amsterdam usually, sometimes London, sometimes Frankfurt, sometimes Paris or Brussels, and then to Dubai, depending on the airline. Take Sabina into Brussels, take KLM into, uh, which is what we usually flew, we take them into uh, Amsterdam or um, British Airways or British Caledonian at the time uh, to London, and then on to Dubai. I grew up flying, was never scared of flying. And, you know, Tucker Carlson and I had this conversation a a couple of years ago uh, that when we had kids, that's when suddenly flying became an issue. And apparently it's very common. Uh, If you are a man with children, you suddenly develop an anxiety, if not a fear, about flying. And it it corresponds to having children. You you don't want to die and leave your kids behind. And I tend to, I, I, I tend to deal with it fairly well. I mean, my, my view is, is God sovereign. If he wants me dead, I'm not going to escape it. And if he wants me alive, well, there's nothing I can do. So, um, I'm, I'm going to be fine. It reminds me of a buddy of mine, uh, Bernie, we were in church together and he said he and his wife were coming back from a, they'd gone up to New York and they were flying back and it was horrible in the middle of a storm. The stewardess said it was the worst turbulence she had ever experienced in her career. And Bernie slept the whole way, sound asleep, slept like a baby the whole way to Atlanta. His wife was furious with him, furious with him. They land and he wakes up. She says, I can't believe you'd sleep through that. I cannot believe you wouldn't hold my hand. You just, you kept falling asleep. It's like, well, I'm, I mean, God's in charge. If he wants me dead, he wants me dead. There's nothing I can do. I mean, that was just, he was as safe in the plane as on his, on his bed. It's like Stonewall Jackson, you know, who's killed on the battlefield, said he was as safe on the battlefield as his bed because his, his idea was God's sovereignty. When God wants you dead, he wants you dead, and, and whether you're on a plane or not. But I struggle with it. I'm a little better than I used to be. And then I see videos like this one. 
China Eastern Airlines had 123 passengers, nine crew members, and it crashed today. Uh, it was traveling from Kunming, China to Guangzhou, China, and it crashed. Well, you know, China is a police state and there are security cameras everywhere. And they have video of the plane crash. It is 350 miles an hour straight down, like nose pointed at the ground, down, vertical fall. The plane fell out of the sky 20,000 feet in a minute. And I'm just horrified watching the video. So I figured I would share. It would be therapeutic for me to pass the burden off to you guys. <laughs> I just, this is, this is awful stuff. Um, but you know, we, we live in an age now where there are security cameras everywhere. And so you can see so much stuff. It's like, like a lot of the, the explosions that we're seeing in Ukraine are not actually coming from uh, reporters, cameras, or from the military. They're coming from security cameras at buildings and people are just downloading the footage of, of these massive explosions in Ukraine from the, the ubiquitousness of, of cameras, you know, I, so Back when I had my concussion at the end, end of uh, December, got hit in the head with a golf club and had a buddy come over to the house and sit on the front porch with me. I had a whole conversation with him, never remembered it, but there it was on my security camera. I could see that I was there and had a conversation with him the whole time. It's just bizarre. Howdy. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, let's go to the phones and go to Todd. Welcome to the show, Todd. How are you? I'm doing good, Eric. How about yourself? Great. Good. Hey, I was talking to one of my representative friends this morning here in Georgia, and that same bill that got stuck in committee last year in the House is sitting there again, the uh, the Save Girls Sports. What I understand, there's, there's no push to get it out of committee again. Yeah, um, the Speaker of the House doesn't like that bill, uh, and I think it's going to be, you know, and, and this one is a, is a bipartisan one, too, because uh, increasingly a lot of black families are realizing this is punitive to to them. It's not just um, white Christian conservatives on social media who care about this issue. For those of you who don't know what Todd's talking about, Georgia is one of the several states that has a bill uh, under consideration that would ban biological boys from playing in girls' sports. And it is sitting in, it passed the state Senate, the governor supports it. And the speaker of the house, just like he did with school choice is killing this legislation. Meanwhile, in the Senate, uh, the Senate in Georgia is focusing on a uh, mental health bill. The speaker offered, and you should know that this mental health bill would require the state play for pay for transitioning surgeries for people with mental health issues. So the speaker of the house is blocking a piece of legislation in the house of in Georgia that would protect our girls from boys playing on their sports teams. Uh, and the Senate is on the verge of passing Speaker Ralston's mental health legislation that would require you pay for the transitioning of people with mental health problems. Just so you understand your priorities and understand what the Republicans are like in Georgia. So bizarre. And, and again, I, I, you're talking about less than 1% of the population. And you were talking about uh, people, only American elites seem to really buy into this idea. Nobody else does. 
Now, I, I want to shift from that, though, because there's the story of the Washington Post. Leslie Morgan is doing everything she can to save money. She quit smoking, cut back on groceries. She's rationing hot showers so she can keep her water heater off for days at a time. But she says it hasn't been enough. Rent, food, and utilities are all becoming more expensive, making it tough for the retired teacher to make ends meet on roughly $3,000 a month in pension and Social Security payments. Just surviving day-to-day has become a big concern of mine because how in the world, said Morgan, 65, who lives in Asheville, North Carolina. Yes, I can afford what I'm doing right now, but I'm starting to panic. I'm starting to think, how am I going to keep paying for everything? Rising prices are squeezing household budgets around the country and putting additional strain on its 56 million older residents aged 65 and up, many of whom rely on fixed incomes and limited savings to cover monthly costs for prolonged and unexpected periods of time. Americans in that age range are more likely to live in poverty than younger adults are, Census Bureau data show, with wide disparities by age, race, and circumstance, including whether they rely solely on Social Security or have other sources of income. The burden on older Americans is the latest example of how inflation at 40-year highs is exacerbating inequalities across the country. Higher prices on food, gas, and housing are weighing heavily on those who can least afford it and creating new challenges for a population that is also most vulnerable to COVID. Adding to the strain, millions of older Americans have given up regular incomes to retire during the coronavirus pandemic. Again, this is the essential issue. Next Tuesday, all of you will go to the polls, will stand there in the polling place and make a decision. I think when you make that decision, it might be well if you would ask yourself, are you better off than you were four years ago? Is it easier for you to go and buy things in the stores than it was four years ago? Is there more or less unemployment in the country than there was four years ago? Is America as respected throughout the world as it was? Do you feel that our security is as safe, that we're as strong as we were four years ago? And if you answer all of those questions, yes, why then I think your choice is very obvious as to who you'll vote for. If you don't agree, if you don't think that this course that we've been on for the last four years is what you would like to see us follow for the next four, then I could suggest another choice that you have. It's not even are you better off four years ago, as Ronald Reagan asked. So are you better off than you were two years ago? You're not, more likely than not. And seniors in particular are having the hardest time right now with inflation. Because, you know, one of, the, one of the things that people forget is that in the low interest rate times that we've had, if you are in uh, pretty stable investments, if you were in like a savings account or a money market fund or something, you didn't get a ton of interest. And a lot of senior citizens transitioned over from stocks and bonds to uh, more stable investments, but they weren't getting a lot of interest. And now inflation's going up and it's cutting into that. And the interest rates aren't going up reciprocally. They're going up some, but not a lot. This, by the way, oh, this is the the subject that, you know, more and more people these days say you're not supposed to talk about these sorts of things. And I don't know why, but I think it's, it's people who make life choices and they realize they're not working out for them. They don't want to be reminded of their own failures. 
The reality of the world in which we live is that family matters most. The government, Uncle Sam, is never going to take care of you in the way your family could. And I don't mean this critically. And every time I raise this issue, someone gets mad at me. And I think that's on them, not me. Having kids matters. For that next generation who will take care of you. You know, my sisters and I struggle with this with my parents. My parents are elderly. They live in rural Louisiana, and and my middle sister lives two hours from them. Uh, I'm a day's drive from them, as is my oldest sister, and sometimes it gets hard. And my dad's got to have surgery in a couple weeks, or I guess this week, actually, tomorrow. And my sisters are going down to take care of him. I don't have to go. If I needed to pack up my studio and, and go and just do remote, I could, but having parents and families, it all matters so greatly. It all matters to be able to take care of the future so that if you've got a, someone in your family who's a senior citizen, you're helping take care of them. I've got a buddy of mine, uh, my trainer at my gym. He owns the gym, young guy, moved up from Florida to help take care of his grandparents, live with them for a while. Now he's getting married. He's moved out. He goes over and checks on them all the time. His, his grandfather actually just passed away, so he goes and checks on his grandmother. And make sure she's taken care of and make sure her needs are met. And you can do that far better than a government can. Having kids matters. And in this day and age, at this sort of situation, having family and extended roots matters. So we've got, I'm sure every family does. Every family has people who are family friends, who are more like family, who may not have family of their own. And you take care of them as if they're family. We've got friends like that who, when we go on vacation, we take them on vacation with us. They're part of the family. They they may not be blood relative, but they they might as well be. Having those familial ties, those family ties, those friendship ties will serve you. There, there There are some people who pridefully like to be loners. Some people, it's just their temperament. And when they get old, and they've isolated themselves from everyone, who is going to take care of them? These are things that everybody at some point has to think about. You know, I struggle with with our family right now, putting aside money, setting aside money, getting out of debt, not racking up debts. I'm, I am I used to be very good with money, and I've gotten very bad with money. And building a, a nest egg and savings and saving extra for retirement, all that, it's just kind of overwhelming these days. What do I do? Where do I spend the money? I wish I just had somebody I can give all my money to and say, hey, uh, give me an allowance at this point. But life's not like that, nor should it be. And people who get in those situations tend to be taken advantage of worse than the rest. But all these situations these days, people are struggling with money. Costs are going up. We're making cutbacks in our family. I get paid well, and we're having to make cutbacks. Gas just will eat you alive these days in price, and it's gone down some. Grocery store bills are nuts. So I did uh, baby back ribs last night. You know, on Sundays, I invite over some guys. We sit on the front porch, have some fellowship, smoke cigars, drink some bourbon, watch sports, and we eat, and I always cook. Man, y'all, I made a homemade, from scratch, uh, garlic cheese biscuits last night, buttermilk biscuits. Wow, they were good. I'll send this out in a recipe at some point. But also, uh, made baby back ribs, smoked them on my Rectech. And those ribs were incredibly expensive. The The price for a rack of ribs, and you know, baby back ribs have always been kind of pricey. 
but my gosh, the price has gone up. The price on brisket has gone up. The, the price on all sorts of foodstuffs have gone up. And if you're elderly and you have no family close and you have no one who can help you, you have to be even more discerning now than you've had to be in the past. We have not seen this since the 1970s. I, being in my mid-40s, have never seen this. Those of you who are younger than me, you have never seen what's happening right now. I was technically born and have no memory of it because I was so small. But those of you who were born after 1980, you got, you've got no way to relate to what's happening in the economy right now. And it's going to force uh, force some major policy decisions that are going to be painful for everybody, which is why people are cutting back and trying to save. And I got to tell you, uh, if you have an elderly relative, you need to start thinking about your elderly relatives. You need to start thinking about how you can help people uh, who are struggling to make ends meet. And you may be, and you may not be able to help, but some I'm sure can help. Because prices are getting out of control and it's going to be hardest hit will be the elderly in this country. And if you got a family, you, you need to deal with some family obligations and, and help take care of those who can't take care of themselves instead of making them be dependent on charity or the government when you could be there to help them. Senator Barrasso of Louisiana, uh, or no, 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 uh, he's not, Barrasso isn't Louisiana, where is he? Uh, Wyoming, I think. Uh, this is him on the Sunday show. He's talking about Biden and gas prices. Joe Biden can't hide from the fact that um, he is the president of high gas prices, and they're looking for anyone to blame, wh whether it's Putin, whether it's Republicans, whether it's the energy companies, whether it's COVID. The Democrats have a very big problem with 40-year high inflation, highest gas prices ever. When Joe Biden came into office, it was $2.38 a gallon for gasoline. American families paid $1,000 more, George, for energy last year than the year before. And on polling last week, 70% of Americans say more American oil and gas and less emphasis on climate. Yeah, the left seems so focused on things they view as existential threats, climate uh, it being the chief among them reshaping entire federal bureaucracies to deal with climate change where Americans right now are focused on making ends meet. And the Democrats' solutions for their problems are to raise costs on Americans. That's not going to end well for the Democrats. The problem here is that it's not going to end well for any of us in the meantime. It's not. It ends badly for everybody, including the Democrats at the ballot box, but there's a lot of pain to go through until we get to November. One of the companies that's out there helping bring pain to the Democrats at the ballot box by funding the conservative movement is Patriot Mobile. They actually take a portion of their profits and give it to the conservative movement, to the First Amendment movement, to the pro-life movement, to the Second Amendment movement, to veterans and first responders. They fight for the conservative movement and they put their money where their mouth is. It's not just their values they're willing to fundraise for and advance those causes. But to do it, they need you as a customer. And you know what? They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So it's not like you're getting inferior quality. You're using the same cell towers everybody else is. And you get free activation. They got 100% U.S.-based customer service. You get great discounts, but you get free activation with my name. You can carry your phone number over, port it over, or get a new one. Get a new phone or use your unlocked phone. 
Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them, again, 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT is the phone number, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them Eric sent you. You get free activation with my name and talk to them about the discounts. You can get veteran, first responder, NRA member, teacher. They have great discounts as well. So I mentioned on Friday I had to leave and get down to... Uh, Vidalia, Georgia, uh, WVOP, my affiliate down there. I had to go down there for a soccer game for my son. Now, y'all, it stormed on Friday. It stormed horribly on Friday. It was awful. And I just kept thinking the the soccer game is going to be canceled. It's going to be canceled. And they didn't cancel it, and they didn't cancel it, and they didn't cancel it. So we hit the road, and we drove down there. And the whole way, everybody's going back and forth. Is it going to be canceled? Nope, not going to be canceled. We got down there. We show up at the school. There's no soccer field. It's like, well, this is interesting. So I had to call the school. And they're like, yeah, yeah, our soccer field, it's, it's several blocks over. So we went over to the soccer field. It's pouring down rain. It's thundering and lightning. It's going to be canceled. It's got to be canceled. All the kids got out. They went into the locker rooms to get ready for the game. Because, you know, those soccer kids, they play during the rain. Baseball's like, no, we don't want to tear up the field. Soccer, they're like, yeah, we're going to play. It's like, doggone it. They're going to play. And 15 minutes later, they're like, nope, canceled. Weather's getting worse. Turned around and drove an hour and 40 minutes back home uh, after driving an hour and 40 minutes to get down there. My gosh, it was a long night of just driving on the road with nothing to show for it. And then they tried to reschedule it for today, and they couldn't. So thankfully, ah, man, the things you do for your kids, which reminds me I'm not going to be here on Thursday. Oh, gosh. Debate whether or not to say anything to you guys. So on Thursday, I, your host, have to go on a college tour with my daughter. Now, she's a little overly ambitious, 16. She's a, what, sophomore? So she's still got two more years of college, but she is insistent on going to check out Georgia Tech, where her grandfather went. She wants to go to Georgia Tech. She wants to be an aerospace engineering, and she's got the grades to do it if she keeps them up. And she has insisted spring break is next week. Everybody's going to the beach. I'm not. I'll be here working. Uh, this was a last-minute trip. I couldn't take off on spur of the moment. But on Thursday, i got to take off somewhat spur of the moment to go to a college tour. How am I this old? How am I old enough to have kids who are interested in going to check out colleges now? I have no idea. And college is, is continuing to get expensive. Now, she's got great grades. She should be able to get scholarships. But, man, I start to stress out about everything, um, about income and, and costs and tuition and what to do. And she wants to live in Atlanta and go to Georgia Tech. And she wants to have an apartment and still living on the dorm. And, I'm, oh, man, the things that – like, did my parents go through this stuff? I, I, don't, I don't know that my parents went through the, the, the stresses of all of this that I'm going through with my kid. Um, I, I have no idea, but my gosh, then of course there's, there's my producer who is 40 and has kids in diapers. And then I think my lucky stars that my kids are at the age of going to college instead of still pooping their britches and having me take care of it. <laughs> we got to get Philip. We, we, it, it's time for, for Philip and his wife to have kids so we can, Charlie and I can both laugh at them. Do you know what? Speaking of, so if you subscribe every day, you get your daily show notes. Except today, because I have an employee who decided to drive four hours. 
got up at 4 a.m. to go fishing. Fishing. I've never seen someone as obsessed with fish as Philip is. And he got up this morning and drove to Eufaula, Alabama. So there were no shows. I, I mean, I do my own show prep, but he he takes everything and puts it into an email for subscribers. And nope, you're not getting them today and tomorrow because the guy who writes that email decided to go fishing because he likes big mouth bass more than he likes you people and me. <laughs> but God bless him. I need to go fly fishing. Um, I, I need to go fly. I'm sure y'all care about my my college tours and fishing. My goodness gracious, though. I just I, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm how how am I old enough to have a kid who's ready to go to college? I have no idea. And she's not. She's still got years. Why is she doing it so soon? Procrastinate. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.